As we come now before the Word of God, if you'd like to read along with me, we'll be again in 1 John chapter 2. This is no surprise to us by now. We just continue into the next section of 1 John 2. But before we read, would you please pray with me? Our Lord God, you have called us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to know your will, and to know what is good and acceptable and perfect. Lord, would you do that in us now by your word? Guide us in these holy things. Help us to approach them with eagerness and with reverence and with a heart to believe and to obey. Work this in us now by your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is 1 John in chapter 2. Uh, we have a good number of verses to take up this morning. We'll begin in verse 12. So 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is the word of God. Now, what we have at hand today is to take up the issue of the Christian's relationship to the world. That's our focus today, the Christian's relationship to the world. You may remember, if you've been with us, that John, here the author, is writing to a very broad audience of believers. He's not mainly talking to people who aren't Christians, although, of course, they can listen in, but he's talking to followers of Jesus, not just one particular person, not even just one particular church. This is a traveling testimony that's going out to the whole church, the church with a big C. And a large part of John's purpose in writing is to give all believers in Jesus a Christian confidence. So he keeps telling us again and again, often even repeating himself, 
the reason why he's sending this word out. I write to you, he says, I write to you little children and young men and fathers. That sounds like he's only talking to the guys, but that's just a stylistic way of of saying he's talking to the spectrum of all Christians. And, and, And he says, I write to you not here with a command of what you should do, but with a statement about what's true of you. I've written to you because your sins are forgiven, and you know God the Father. I've written to you because you know the very God who is from the beginning. I've written to you because you have overcome the evil one, and I've written to you because Jesus has made you strong, and the word of God really abides in you. Through Jesus, All of that is now true about us, of what we are, what we know, what we have. But while John writes to remind us of who we are, he also writes to guide us in who we want to be. That we are to be a people who are characterized by our love. It's one of the most dominant themes through the letter. John is going to talk quite a bit more about love much later in the letter, so we'll unpack it when we get to it then. But for now, I want us to notice that the the love that John is writing about here is not an unlimited love. It is not a universal love. It is not an unconditional love. In fact, he tells us where our love goes outside of bounds, that we are not to love the world. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We want the love of the Father to be in us, that we love in the way that the Father loves. And if the Father's love is in us, we won't love the world. That's the command here. Don't love the world. Now. This, probably immediately, is puzzling for at least some of us. You might be thinking, hold on a minute, preacher. Wait, aren't we supposed to love everybody? You know, I, I thought, I thought God loved everybody. You know, isn't that the John 3.16 line, for God so loved the world? How does that com- fit with the command here, don't love the world? And if you're thinking that, Good. That means you're thinking. Those are good questions. We know that the Bible never contradicts itself. This is the holy, unified word of God. So these things do fit together. And the way they fit together hinge really on what we mean by the words world and the word love. 
So we need to dig a little bit further into those. And, and, and I know by digging into words, some of you are groaning right away, okay? Hang on, I will come back and get you. But this is not just a silly nitpicking of words, right? This is, uh, we, wanna, we want to understand that nuance of words really matter. Remember, when you were in middle school, maybe your middle school looked different than mine, but at least in my middle school, if you heard that someone likes you, the first question is, do they like me or do they like me? Because there's a difference, isn't there? And I really want to know the difference. There's a big difference, even though the word is the same. It really matters, the nuance of these things. So we want to take care to try to listen for the meaning, the intent here. As far as world goes, when the Bible uses the word world, it can refer to one of four things. So going from the broadest to the narrowest meanings of the word world, world can refer to all of creation, the whole universe of all the material things that are, what we might call the cosmos. In fact, fun fact, if you like words, the word translated world in the New Testament is the Greek word cosmos. So it can mean just everything that's not God. That can be what the world means. World can also refer to specifically the earth. That is, not just the stars out there, but the land, the stuff here that we walk around on. That's the second meaning of world. The third meaning is the inhabitants of the earth, specifically mankind. All humans are part of the world. But then there's a fourth meaning that refers to a subset of people who are under the power of evil and are apart from God. Now, the Christian is part of the world in some of these senses, but not part of the world in other senses. The Christian is part of creation. We were made by God. The Christian is part of the earth. We walk around upon it. The Christian is part of all humanity, but the Christian is not in that fourth category. We are not under the power of evil in the same sense. We still do sin. We still are affected by sin. But through faith in Jesus, we have overcome the evil one. We have overcome the world. You may have heard this uh, dynamic about the Christian in the world summarized with the phrase that we are in the world but not of the world. You know this? You've heard that before? We're in the world but not of the world. That's not just a cliche. That actually comes from a part of Jesus's uh, high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 where he's praying specifically for the people that followed him but then even for all believers. He says this in John chapter 17 uh, where is it? Verse 15, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So to sum all this up together, we, Christians, are in the world, 
in a sense. We're not aliens from some totally other planet. This is our homeland. Uh, we're not separatists who, who, who go off in some little commune or some cabin in the woods to live totally isolated. We are fellow humans living in the world that God made, breathing the same air, tilling all the same soil, eating all the same foods. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are set apart by God as holy. We are ones who no longer walk in the darkness, but walk in the light. So world here, as John writes, is something that's distinct or separate from the Christian. World is everyone and everything that remains under the power of evil. Now, how does love apply to the world, or does it? When we look at love, specifically God's love, God loves the world in at least the broadest senses. God clearly loves the cosmos. Even broken as it is now, this is his creation still. And when he made it, he called it good. He loves the earth, this thing that we walk around on. This isn't just a garbage dump to God. He will renew the earth in the new heavens and the new earth. He loves the cosmos. He loves the earth. But what about humans? Does God love only Christians? The ones who are saved by Jesus and adopted by God as sons and daughters? Does he love only Christians or does he love all mankind, including the ones who remain his enemies? in the darkness of the world. The Bible tells us that God does have a kind of unique love that he gives only to his children, just like any parent gives a unique love to their children. At the same time, God also has a type of genuine love for the whole world. John talks about it in various ways later in the letter. Chapter 4, verse 14, he says, We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And in this way, he seems to be, he's not just talking that he was sent to be Savior just of Christians, although that's how it was effectively applied, but he came to be the Savior of the world. There is a real love of God for the world. God loves the world in the same way that we are to love the world. That is, that we are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Jesus is the best embodiment of the good Samaritan. We're to emulate the one who loved his neighbor, whether he was a Christian or not. That love has real affection, real action. So then why does John tell us in these verses not to love the world? There's an important distinction here about what we mean by love. We have to love in one way, but we cannot love in another. And the clearest way that I can think as I wrestle with it to distinguish between the two is there is a kind of love that shares with 
and a kind of love that shares in. A kind of love that shares with and a kind of love that shares in. The the love that shares with is a love that gives, a love that offers, a love that serves and sacrifices. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. A love that shares with is always good. Always good. It's to be given to all, no matter what the person's particular disposition is. We see that from Jesus. He is routinely giving a helping hand, a listening ear, routinely sharing his table, his food, his little money that he has, his time, his attention, his life. That's good love. We want to love like that to all people. That's a love that shares with, and yet there is a love that shares in in the sense that this love participates, integrates, joins with, and merges. And we have to be more careful about this one. Because Jesus loved tax collectors. He really did. He loved tax collectors without sharing in their tax collecting. Jesus really loved prostitutes without sharing in their prostituting. Jesus really loved hypocrites without sharing in their hypocrisy. Jesus really loved sinners without sharing in their sin. So when we look at the love of Jesus, the kind of love that we are to have too, Jesus has a love that shares in God, a love that shares in the brotherhood, the body of believers, but does not share in the world. So for us, because we are not of the world, just as Jesus is not of the world, we are to love the world in the sense of sharing with the world, but not love the world in the sense of sharing in the world. And just so you know, I'm not nitpicking about this. This is not something we only hear from John. Uh, James uh, says it a little bit more bluntly uh, than even John does, if I can find it. It's in James chapter 4, verse 4. John writes, You adulterous people. How's that for a starter? Uh, You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Did you hear that? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't have friends or other relationships with people who don't love Jesus. I hope you have lots of good relationships with people outside of the church and your work and your neighborhood and all those other places. You you can love the world in lots and lots of good and meaningful ways, just as Jesus did. But when it comes to a sort of love that partakes, that joins, that unifies with, we cannot love the world that way. 
Because a love of the world contradicts a love of God. The world loves very different things than God loves. As the world is driven by things that are not from God the Father, the world's driven by transient things, things that pass away into just vapor and nothingness. John names three categories of things that come from the world that we are not to love. He's very specific about at least the categories. In verse 16, he says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. We should take just a moment before we end to look at each of those three so that we'll recognize them. Desires of the flesh could mean lots of things, but seem to be things that are particularly enticing to the senses. Things that feel natural to our instincts. Very basal things like sex, food, drink, sleep. Okay? I I like all of those things. The Bible likes all of those things. They all have their good and proper place, but they can easily, easily get twisted into sin. You know, I heard one old preacher say, we all have to eat to live, but no one wants to live to eat. If we ever become consumed by consumption... That's a worldly desire of the flesh, and that is not from God. We need to be aware of these things. We often give them names. You may recognize the commonly used names for these sorts of things, things like lust, gluttony, drunkenness, laziness. Those are common things, but being common does not make them good. And there are even more desires of the flesh that come in lots of other forms, too. I'm, I'm noticing one become more and more common, a, a desire of the flesh that we call fitness. I don't know if this is a thing in your circles. It probably needs to be more of a thing in my circle. Uh, but, uh, you know, some people are, are kind of all about fitness. And a person might say, hey, I'm not doing this to look good. I'm doing this so that I'll feel good. I'm doing this so that I'll be healthy. And again, physical health is a good thing. It's a godly thing, but not if we become consumed by it. We do not want to be the sort of people whose temple is a gym and whose communion is vitamins and supplements. These things would enter into the desires of the flesh. Then John names here, he names the desires of the flesh, then the desires of the eyes. And these seem to include things that go beyond just the physical bodily desires, things that we might call coveting. This compulsive desire to just take in more and more, to take in more education, more experiences, more entertainment, what have you. So people that have the news on constantly and say, 
I have to know what's going on in the world. Do you really? What makes you think that you need this on for hours on hours of your day? The Bible does not lead you to that conclusion. Some measure of education is good, but this, this obsession of just perpetually watching today's breaking news and thinking that I have to know what's going on as the world falls apart around me, that desire is not from the Father. It is from eyes that are fixed on wrong things. Jesus told us that if your eye causes you to sin, you should pluck it out. Which means if your news source, your TV, your Twitter, whatever alert you get on your phone, if your news source causes you to sin, you got to pluck it out. You got to unplug it. You got to turn it off somehow. You will be better off for it. Listen, this mass consumption of news has made no one godlier but it has made many people very ungodly. Do not love the world by indulging the desires of your eyes. John ends the third aspect of the world by talking about it in terms of the pride of life. And that seems to focus mainly on material possessions and our livelihood. This could be lots of things. Pride in, pride in our house, that I live in a good neighborhood. I have a house that's well-kept and looks nice. Or it could be the opposite, that I take pride in, in the fact that my house is on the wrong side of the tracks and I know what it looks like to live a real gritty life. We could have pride in our clothes, either that I have the nice brands or they're, they're, they're well washed and pressed and all buttoned up. Or we could have pride in the fact that I wear cutoffs that are secondhand because uh, this shows how frugal I am. Or we can have pride in our car, whether it's to show you know, how much money I have or how sensible I am or how earth conscious I am or how hardworking I am or how tough or cool or unique or practical I am. If any of that, any of it, is a source of boasting, either in my mouth or in my mind, whether boasting of how high I am or how low I am, that's the pride of life that comes from the world. Now, If you are even a little bit honest with yourself and with God, there is probably some sin, maybe multiple sins, that I've named in the past five minutes that hit home. Something as I name it, you go, ooh, yep, that's me. That burns a little bit. You don't even have to dig deep in your heart to see these sins. They're just right there on the surface and can look you right in the face. If you don't in some way struggle with particular sins of lust or gluttony or drunkenness or laziness or covetous or boastfulness or pride, you probably struggle from, with sins of lying. And you're lying to yourself and don't even know it. Now, 
if we wrestle with these things, if these are products of the world and I do them, we might wonder then, do I belong to the world? Or do I belong to God? Am I walking in darkness and not in the light? If you ask that, that's a good and bold question that every person ought to ask himself. There is a lot at stake here. But I want us to notice something. The focus here in John's writing is not just on what we do. Although holiness matters, we care about that. The focus in this section is not just on what we do. The focus is mainly on what we love. The Christian call is not to love the world or the things in the world. Which means even when I enter into sin and the sinful things of the world, even when I do that, I'm to repent of it. Turn to God again, trusting in Jesus again and again and again, as long as I have to. Because, because I do not love my sin. Just like the Apostle Paul said, I don't, I don't understand my own actions. I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. The Christian, we, I, do not love my sin. I do not love the world, but I do love Jesus. We love Jesus because who he is. And for what he's done, we love Jesus because of all that's true about him and now of us, that he's forgiven our sin for his name's sake. Because he's our creator from the beginning. Because he has overcome the evil one. And because Jesus has first loved me. The love of Jesus is far better than anything we will ever find in the world. Pray with me. Lord, help us to believe this. Would you deliver us from evil, from any sinful desire that might still be within us, from any love in the world and desire of the flesh and desires of the eyes? Help us to love you, to love you best and most of all. Because as the world passes away, you will remain forever. And Lord, you are good. Draw us into yourself, we ask. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.